Coming to you live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by Legend Solar, a SunPower Elite dealer and the official solar provider of BYU Athletics. Schedule your free solar consultation and own your own power today at legendsolar.com. With BYU fans here at JCW's in Provo, I am Greg Rubel, and this is the Coordinator's Corner. Every week, Mondays from noon to 1, we let you visit and talk BYU football with BYU's coordinators, offensive coordinator Ty Detmer, defensive coordinator Elisha Tuiaki, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb. This is Ed's day off. We'll have Coach E in the first half hour, Coach Tuiaki with us till 12.30, and then Ty Detmer joining us from 12.30 until 1 o'clock. Welcome all to the show. We are on BYU Football's Facebook page, on Facebook Live, and on ESPN 960. That's where you'll find us every week, Mondays at JCW's from noon to 1. Coach E, Elisa Tuiaki, welcome back in, and congrats on another win, getting BYU to 5-4, and four, and once again going out to the Eastern Time Zone, seeing great fan support, and coming up with a really solid defensive effort in a 20-3 win. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. It was, it was fun to see the fans again. I mean, they, they show out wherever we go. Eastern Time Zone again for the third time this year, and again, the BYU fans show up wherever you are. So I mentioned the three points. First time in almost four years that BYU's kept an FBS opponent out of the end zone. As that game was going along, how much of a deal was that for the guys to, you know, they've gotten three, but let's keep them out of the end zone touchdown-wise? Yeah, I don't, I don't think we, we thought about it much in the middle of the game until after, you know, um, it, obviously it's something that we celebrated, but, you know, in the middle of the game is really just, um, you know, playing sound ball and doing a good job. You know, we that last drive that that uh, that they had, where they were driving down, and obviously it wasn't going to change the outcome of the score. But for the you know some of the twos and threes to get in and and uh, get some playing time as well. You know, obviously the keeping them out of the end zone wasn't something in my mind because we would have kept the ones on the field. But uh, I th I thought it was really important to get some of those guys some um, game time um, live reps. Uh, you know, to just so that they know that. They're one injury away from getting on the field and, and uh, playing as well. So it was good to, good to see those guys come up with the stop. Sixth time in uh, nine games that BYU's held the opponent to 21 points or fewer this year. And it is all about the points allowed. Of all the stats we talk about, want to talk about, it's all about points. And BYU right now, nationally, among all FBS teams, is 33rd in scoring defense. Uh, 30th. In rush defense, you guys talk a lot about being a tough trench team, run and stop the run, and that's where BYU is excelling right now, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, that's always been the, the plan for us is to stop the run. Um, number one stat, like you're talking about, is keeping them out of the end zone. And, you know, um, I think we'd be better if we didn't give up some of those pick sixes. <laughs> they're, they're screwing up our stats. <laughs> when, when you get in on defense. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, we the, the the stats that we talk about is is uh, the score and then takeaways. That's that's all we talk about on defense. And there's so many different ways that you can skew stats. Uh, you know, when you're looking at things, yards given up and pass yards and all this stuff. And we talked about that before. But um, takeaways is a, is a big part of what we're trying to do and and uh, limit big plays. And BYU's third nationally in takeaways right now with uh, with with 22 on the year. Only two teams have more than BYU. Utah and Memphis have 23. You're sitting there at 22. If there's one area that lags right now, it's the team pass efficiency defense. But I think you'll look at the list of the cubes you've played this year, the quarterbacks you've played this year. It's a pretty good bunch you've faced from start to finish from one through nine here. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of good quarterbacks. And, you know, you go out and th this last week, you know, seeing what Michigan State or uh, Mississippi State did, their quarterback, he's a really good player. and Against Texas A&M. Uh, against against uh, A&M. You know, it's, uh, there, there's 
good quarterbacks every single week, and we got to do a good job disrupting their timing and and uh, you know keeping their yards down. But there's we faced a lot of good ones. You got a lot. You've gotten a lot of help, and did this past weekend at Cincinnati E from the offense. The offense put together nice long drives that kept you guys on the sideline, chance to regroup, rest up. Uh, the offense did did great work, I think, in minimizing the number of possessions you had to play Saturday. Yeah, I mean it was a whole quarter, a whole quarter in a minute, I think is what it was, and. You can't win games if if you're gonna if you're not gonna get the ball you know for that long and you know, our offense did a phenomenal job and you know grinded the clock and ran the ball and did a really good job so I mean it's a good good team effort. What stands out to you most from the Cincinnati game beyond the three points, which is a great point total to have allowed? Uh, what was kind of your uh, your defining characteristic of the defense on Saturday? Yeah, the, the biggest thing I think was the D line play. You know, um, there, there's always room for improvement, but overall. Um, as a whole, I was I was really pleased with the way that they played. I mean, they were really tough and stout and made plays. And um, you know, one thing that you don't really see is is how fast the pocket's collapsing and and how well those defensive ends are doing a really good job of of uh, picking on those tackles and you know playing their individual games. So I was uh, going back and watching the film, really pleased with with uh, how tough they played. You know, Troy Warner stepped up and had a really good game. I thought. Um, you know, obviously Austin McChesney stepping in and giving us some reps there and, and having a pick was, was huge. But the D-line is probably the thing that stuck out the most. Now, the D-line's numbers, that is pure tackle numbers, may not jump out on any given day. And, and you're going to go down a ways till you see a defensive lineman in the tackle numbers. But it's not just about that. You're not looking for just those kinds of numbers when you when you assess the effectiveness of your defensive line. Yeah, no doubt. And, we, you know, the, from day one when we, when we talked to them about, um, you know, what we're trying to accomplish on defense – there is nobody on the field that disrupts the timing of a quarterback faster than defensive lineman. And the quarterback is the most important person on, on the offensive side. And so, um, you know, we, we always we talked about it from the beginning of fall camp going in and having those guys disrupt that quarterback's timing. And this, uh, this game was really, really, it was really fun to watch some of those guys uh, start to feel, you know, confident, especially after losing Travis as well as uh, Metti. Um, you know, those D-tackles are, are, are showing up in a good way for us. So you play, you applaud the D-line, and yet they, you barely notice at the end there, uh, no Metti, uh, no Travis, no Tomasi, uh, mm -hmm. Lalile right now. It's three pretty good contributors you're down and having to have other guys respond. You talk about disruption. There's Corbin with a the sack. Uh, there's Logan sharing a sack with Cy Tautu. Uh, there's Hanson with a pass breakup mm -hmm. on Saturday. They were making plays right. uh, despite not being, you know, the, the gaudy numbers. Uh, they were making plays at really important times. Yeah, yep. And, they, I mean, it was it was fun to watch on film. Just, you know, I thought uh, Kesney Tausinga had his best game that I've ever seen, you know, even going back and watching film from last year. I mean, just playing really sound, playing with good technique and, and uh, again, just making it hard on that quarterback. So, Sai Tautu, the way that he played, was phenomenal. I mean, you know, numbers didn't show up, but um, big, big disruption uh, on the defensive on the defensive side, just because of the quarterback. He was always in the quarterback's face. He was always collapsing the pocket. It's really hard if you're a quarterback when you feel like you know your whole world is collapsing on top of you because of Sai. I mean, it was so, yeah, Sai really ends good. up with a half sack, <laughs> a tackle for loss on the total, and four tackles on the day. And uh, a lot of things were freed up then for your linebacking crew. And your top three tacklers at Cincinnati were your starting three linebackers. Uh, Francis, uh, Fred, and Butch uh, led the way that way, pass breakups as well. Uh, you have a lot to do with the linebackers in addition to being the defensive coordinator. How would you assess the, uh, the crew on Saturday, the starting three in particular? You know, but Butch did a good job. Um, Butch isn't 100% isn't yet. And, 
you know, we've we've had talks about still moving uh, uh, Harvey back and forth, and Harvey's doing a really good job at end. And you know, having him inside and at the same time is is a scary thing if you're, you know, longer distance, third and long, and all that. And so we'll we'll, we'll still move Harvey around and use him a little bit while we're still trying to get uh, Butch back 100%. But uh, I mean, those they're they're just good players. Those guys are all good players, and they're trusting the technique and and they're playing within the scheme. Now, Metti and Travis are done for the year, right? Yes. Uh, Tomasi, last I checked, I I didn't know that there was going to be any surgery. I don't know if that's still part of the plan. Does Tomasi come back, do you think, between now and the end of the year? Yeah, you know, he he practiced a little bit last week, uh, still not ready to go, and uh, we'll we'll assess this week how, how ready he is, but... Um, you know, if those other guys can, can take the load and do the job with, and, and give him another week, I think it'll be good. But I know he's chomping at the bit and wants to play. But uh, we got to do what's best for, for his health as well. How's Trajan Peely doing to you right now? I, I love his, his, uh, his growth. I mean, he's doing a really good job. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player for us uh, in the future. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we feel we can start to move Harvey back to backers because the DNs now are, are starting to play. And starting to play good ball and so you know one of the reasons why we moved Harvey at the beginning was there's so much youth there um you know losing losing Taktaki was uh, was huge for us and so we thought that Harvey would be more productive for us as well as getting the best 11 on the field and so um now I think with Trajan and his growth as well as uh, Corbin and how he's playing, um, I think that we can probably start moving him back and forth. Is, is Sione someone who comes back to the program does he continue with BYU do you think? Yes yes well, that's exciting news, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. We're we're excited about him. But How, uh, where do you, where do you want to use him when he does return? I I think uh, he was probably the scariest pass rusher we had uh, going into the season. Um, you know, Sai now is really good, and I I think Sonia just picks up uh, right where Sai Sai leaves off. So an edge an edge an edge guy an edge rusher. Yep. Yeah. Right yep. on. Good to hear. All right, let's take our first break. This is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner coming to you live from JCW's here in Provo. Fans, welcome to join us every week uh, from 12 to 1. We've got Sione Taki. We've got, we've got Elisa Tuiyaki <laughs> with us from 12 o'clock to 12.30 just talking about Sione Taki Taki. Yeah. We've got Elisa from 12 to 12.30. We've got Ty Detmer from 12.30 to 1. We're with you from 12 to 1 here at JCW's. It is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. Legend Solar is a SunPower Elite dealer and proud to sponsor BYU Athletics. Schedule your free solar consultation today and find out how much you can save at Legend solar.com we're back with the coach as we continue on espn 960 and byu football facebook live welcome back to jcw's in provo for the legend solar coordinators corner if you're looking for a place to take the family before or after the game stop into jcw's with their huge menu of burgers wings salads and more everyone gets what they want jcw's the burger boys quality and a lot of it in lehigh american fork provo where we do the show every monday and in South Jordan, JCWs. Welcome back to the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. Greg Rubel with Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator, Coach Ty Detmer, offensive coordinator with us at 1230. If you'd like to be a part of the show, just give us a shout on Twitter with the hashtag CCBYU. That's the hashtag CCBYU. Questions for the coaches. Also on BYU Football's Facebook Live page, go to the Facebook Live broadcast, and in the comments window, you can drop us a question there. Matt Nebaker tw- uh, on Facebook Live saying, awesome defensive game, Coach Tuiaki, keep it up. And a fellow named Garrett Olson says he's an old Snow College running back. Decided to send in a comment and said, running back to defensive coordinator. How does that work? Take us back <laughs> in your playing days to where you got today. You know, to me, football is football. Um, you know, whether you're on the offensive side or defensive side. When I when I played at Southern Utah, I, I went back and forth and played a little bit of backer as well as running back. And I just I just love football in general. And so whether I'm on the offensive side or defensive side, I you know coached coached running backs for a little bit at Utah at uh, Utah State. And 
um, tight ends at Utah. And so, it is, you know, it's just football to me is, is uh, doesn't really matter if you're on the offensive side or defensive side. And Kalani, similarly, as, uh, you know, was an offensive player at BYU, has coached both sides of the ball, made his name as kind of a defensive coach and now finds himself as the head coach. So for certain guys, again, like you say, football is football. Yeah. And, you know, he was my running backs coach when I played at, at Southern Utah. At Southern Utah. Yeah, Kalani was. What kind of coach was he then? He's the same. Intense, <laughs> yep, intense, great guy, the guy that you want to run through the wall for. I mean, just, just an awesome coach, good mentor. Yep. When, did you, when did you decide that that part of the game, the cerebral, the thinking, the coaching part, was something you were going to really pursue and make part of your life? Uh, were you a player yeah. when you got the inclination? Did you think, yeah, I could do this when you were still playing? Or Even way before that, back when Tecmo Bowl was still around. I, I love football. You know, there, there aren't too many things that make sense in my life except for religion and football. And so, to, to me, it was, uh, it was kind of something that I'd, I'd plan on doing my whole life. From way, way back in the way day. Way back then when you couldn't, you couldn't save your stats, and so I was trying to get Barry Sanders to, you know, 2,000 yards in a season so you couldn't reset the Nintendo, and you had to just keep, keep playing all the way up till 5 a.m. to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I was, I was, I was like that back then. <laughs> what do you enjoy most about coaching nowadays? The, the kids. You know, the kids, are, uh, the kids, their individual lives, just the story that every person has. It's uh, really cool to be part of these kids' lives and, uh, you know, hopefully affect them in a positive way. What about the tactical or strategic part of, uh, of the coaching gig? How much does that appeal to you? That, that, that's fun as well. You know, that's uh, a, a big part of it and the reason why you do it because you want to you know, compete and you want to play and, you know, um, schemes and stuff are all really, really cool and to see things work and, and uh, to see things not work also is kind of like, you know, trying to figure out an answer. That's, it's, it's always fun to watch that as well. You said on the last show that we had with you that, that the scheme you're running isn't, uh, I'm not sure exactly how you phrased it, isn't too elaborate uh, or, or it could be more complicated, but it's not. Do you plan to, is this just kind of a baby steps thing with you, with your defense? Does it get different as you go along year to year? Um, you know, I, I, the biggest thing, I think, uh, j- just from other teams that I've been, been around or at least studied, is, um, you know, they're, they're very, very simple up front and very, very complex in the secondary. And so we wanted to um, flip that and be probably a little bit more, a uh, little, little bit simpler in the secondary. Because of why? Uh, just, just because there's so many different checks and, and uh, things going on. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of different formations. A lot of, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that goes into what the secondaries have to think about and, and cover. And uh, so I think you're more likely to have a blown coverage and somebody running free up the middle uh, to give up a big play. But, uh, you know, if you can be sound and have guys playing a little bit more sound technically, then... Uh, that frees you to do different things up front then? Yeah, yeah. You could be a little bit, be a little bit more multiple up front. And, um, you know, and like I said you know, at the beginning of the show, I think that that's where you really disrupt what a quarterback is doing is if uh, you know, nobody can throw when somebody's in their face. And so... Um, you know, you, you can disguise a little bit in the secondary and make the quarterback kind of hold the ball, but nobody can. I mean, all the way down to the most basic level, if anybody's in your face, you can't throw. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you want to disrupt the quarterback. And, you know, if you can make him hold the ball with just a little bit of disguise and uh, be in his face, then I think that you've got a chance to play some good defense. Who are your best tacklers on this defense, and how would you assess team tackling in generally, uh, general this year? Um you know, but we, we we try to keep obviously keep track of missed tackles and just work on it throughout the week. But um, you know, Kai Nakua is a really really sound tackler. Fred Warner is a really sound tackler. Um, you know, Side Tattoo does a good job. I'm just trying to think about. I mean, it, is your missed tackle number in line with averages of previous seasons? Below, above? How do you kind of gauge that? I, you know, we we normally just gauge it off of how many plays we play uh, per game. 
um, of just you know what is normally acceptable versus this is a little bit too many for these many plays. Um, we haven't really compared it to other other years in the past. But for this year, how how are they doing? Do you think they're doing pretty good? You know, there's some games where we're probably a little bit higher, um, and so we go back and earlier in the week and work more fundamentals and open field tackling and all that stuff. And um, you know, some of these things that you don't really think are um, are skills that are perishable. They are, you know, open field tackling and just closing space and just doing those little things. And so we we start to see, you know. Um, Guys make t- miss tackles and just things that normally don't show up. We go back to the fundamentals and just t- tighten those things back up. One of the things I've noticed about this team offensively and defensively is that uh, maybe late in later stages of games when teams get a little loose on things, you guys seem pretty tight still. You're pretty good and you get better actually as games go along. I thought your team's second half and fourth quarters have been really good on both sides of the ball. Is that a fair assessment? Do you kind of see the same thing or not really look at it that way? Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, they, they've bought into the to the weight room. They bought into Coach uh, Sitaka's philosophy and and uh, you know the weight room guys are really proud of proud of that. And when we when we left uh, at halftime into the Cincinnati game, the coaches left the locker room and the strength coaches stayed in there. And they I don't know if Galani told you, but they actually got the the game ball as they, well. He did tell us that, yeah. yeah. Because, and and that's that's a big deal to us that you know other coaches also they've they've commented or at least uh, you know that you've gotten bigger. We've gotten bigger, yeah. but then we also are very are stronger than they, than they are. And so mm-hmm. that's uh, you know. I, I, I think it's a tribute to the kids buying into it. Also, just the strength coaches doing a really good job. Teams want to be strong or strongest inside the 20 when it's, uh, it's, it, when it's scoring time. And uh, the offense, the BYU offense, we'll talk with Ty about this, 48 of their fours, last 49 non-kneel-down red zone drives they've scored on. And that's a, that's a great number. In fact, BYU's the best red zone scoring no, uh, team in the country this year with only one miss all year, and that was the uh, fourth down miss at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Defensively, uh, BYU's red zone defense is 13th right now in defensive scoring percentage allowed inside the 20 since he went one for three on Saturday. How much uh, do you look at the red zone number? Is it an important number that you break out from other things when looking at your defensive stats? You know, honestly, it's not not one of the numbers that I look at. You know, uh, discuss some of the numbers that are important to us, and really, it's just about playing sound. And you know, obviously, we're going to change some things, and and the uh, red zone always changes the way that you play, and and uh, depending on on the team. But we uh, tend to be a little bit more aggressive in the red zone, and it's you know, it's not about uh, keeping them out, just 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 playing sound. And I think. Um, you can start to add stats to what's important to you, and then all of a sudden at the end of it, you're just like you have the kids memorizing 9 million stats. And so we try to stay away from that and just say, you know, big plays, limit big plays, and get three takeaways. And that's that's the biggest thing that we try to do. So Some use the phrase paralysis by analysis when talking about bringing too much into the equation. Right. But I think in the end, by being stout, you're going to find certain numbers just show well, even without the right. focus on it. Like you said, well, if we're a good defense and we're aggressive when it really matters, our red zone number might look good, and it looks good right now. Right. Uh, Before we take a break, uh, the FCS team coming up on Saturday, does it diminish in any way whatsoever, uh, even imperceptibly or unconsciously, the sharpness of your guys? Do you have to guard against that, knowing there's a game coming up Saturday that won't be the same challenge it's been for the first maybe nine weeks? I don't, you know, I don't think so. And the and the message uh, from Coach Itake is, those those guys are going to give us their best shot, and they deserve our best shot. And so, you know, the, those guys I think last year uh, had the most NFL drafts, you know, in the state of Utah. And so we've got to we've got to show up and play like we do in every every other one. And there's not, uh, you know, we're not going to lighten up. We're going to continue to go. Or the kids are going to lift. We're going to we're going to do our schemes. We're going to be aggressive. And and that's the way the, the way it's the, the way it's got to be. 
All right, break time. We will uh, take a break. Uh, for the last time here with Coach Tuiaki, we'll return and have some closing comments from the coach. Ty Detmer is up in the next half hour of the show. We are at JCW's in Provo. We invite you to be a part of the show via Twitter with the hashtag CCBYU for Coordinator's Corner, hashtag CCBYU, and on the BYU Football Facebook page on Facebook Live. We are live there as well. We're on ESPN 960 and on the BYU Football Facebook page. With Elisa Tuiaki, I'm Greg Rubel, and this is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We're back after this. Coordinator's Corner, Greg Rubel and Elisa Tuiaki with you for another few moments, another five minutes or so. Coach Ty Detmer joining us for the second half hour from 1230 to 1. We are on ESPN 960 and on BYU Football's Facebook page via Facebook Live. And let's get right to uh, Facebook. And uh, this question coming in from Isi Mataele. And we kind of hit on this a little bit uh, in the last segment. The question is, um, is your philosophy more conservative uh, re reference to blitzes. Uh, EC says the last few games, the team's had problems when we blitz, but you don't blitz a lot, according to the perception there. Is that true, not true, your philosophy on blitzing? Um, you know, the, the philosophy is <clears throat> how much pressure can you get and still hold up in coverage? And so, you know, game to game it changes, depends on the quarterback. Some quarterbacks are, are, are a lot uh, better getting rid of the ball. Um, and so, I, you know, earlier on uh, against Toledo, we were – you know we were bad and everything and so going back and, and trying to fix it it's it's we still want to pressure him i don't want the quarterback to sit back there and be comfortable at the same time how much can you get on the quarterback and still be sound in coverage and so you know against boise we changed completely and stopped blitzing and we went to drop eight the whole time and it was a it was a good adjustment the kids did a good job with it and obviously it was zero blitz from there um or very very limited blitz and so it just just depends on game to game and Every game has its own personality depending on the quarterback. And you might start a game thinking you're going to do it one way, and then by a few series in, you say, well, this is, that's not the right way to go. Yep, yep exactly. It was the same with this last game. We thought we would play a lot more zone coverages and blitz, and we ended up playing tons of man. So it just depends on, on what's going on and how you feel. Derek Hill on Facebook. Uh, why is the defense so much better in the second half this year? Our offense is running things we didn't see on film that require halftime adjustments. We talked a bit about it last segment, but you've been a good second-half team. Yeah, and and it's it's the same thing, you know. Um, first of all, there's a you're, you're facing all good teams, good quarterbacks, and and they do a good job scheming, and you're you know you're trying to figure out how they're trying to hit you and and uh, what's going to end up working. And so, um, you know, credit to the kids really of just the adjustments that we've made and them them playing well to it. But uh, um, I I think that's probably what it is, just just making the adjustments and every game having its own personality. Okay, uh, we did a show a few weeks ago after the Toledo game. BYU won the game, 55-53. It's a win, you like that, but you weren't real pleased with the, how the defense played that week. Since that 53-point game allowed, and that followed 35 against West Virginia, since those two games back-to-back, 14-21-28-3 are the points allowed. Uh, you're going to take your chances not allowing more than 28 in a game. Certainly 21-24 is more along the lines of what you want. But since that big 53-point game, you bounced back with four games allowing no more than 28. And the 28 was scored by Boise, which is a pretty potent offense. From Toledo to now, how happy are you with your guys of how they responded uh, from that time of the season to get better and be better? Yeah, just, I'm really, really pleased with, uh, with how they've been. Um, you know, we talked, uh, what was, who did we play after Toledo? I can't remember. After Toledo was Michigan State in East Lansing. Yeah, so, so we were getting ready to play Michigan State and, and, uh, you know, our, our team meeting on Friday before we, before, uh, we send them to bed is, 
I, I came out and just told him, like, that last one was my fault. We went away from everything that we practiced and, you know, me trying to be too smart for myself and, and that, that loss, or not the loss, but all the yardage that we gave up was really on me. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the kids responded to that and just uh, knew that it really wasn't their fault. It was more, more on me and as a coordinator and, and uh, trying to st- I had to do a better job sticking to the game plan. And, and uh, ever since then, you know, we've, we've pretty much stuck to the game plan and the coaches do a good job preparing for it and, uh, you know, making the adjustments mid-game. But I think that's, that's really been the big thing. Well, last two things for you then. I would think that approach endears you to your players. When you see a coach standing up in front of you and making those kinds of statements and allowances, hey, this one's on me, it, uh, it kind of unifies you. It brings them closer to you as a group. Where are you from, uh, you know, cliche being a you know, player's coach, but a guy that, that you want to feel one with your guys like your brothers, and then where there's that, there's that line to leader and, and, uh, and coach and, and player – you know, from being a friend to being, I don't know, disciplinarian, how do you view that whole balance of where they've, they've got to respect you, but yet you're kind of one of them? Um, you know, I think me coming out and saying that, first of all, is the truth. <laughs> and so I think it's important. They, they know that uh, we've always got to operate on truth. And, and you know, we can't have, um, you know, j- just us making, making decisions or having false pretenses because of something that's not true. And so I think that was the biggest thing. But also the other thing is that, you know, I think for them, they know that we as a coaching staff want to be there to serve them. You know, we're there for them. Um, and, you know, that, that, that's the biggest thing. I don't see myself as I got to make sure I come and buddy-buddy with them and all that stuff. I think that's happened naturally. Uh, some coaches are a little bit more personable than others. And, you know, we, we don't expect any coach to step out of their realm, just be themselves. But most of all, they have to know that we're there for them and we're there to make them better. And this game is about them. It's about them being on the field. It's about them succeeding in life as well as on the field. And, and uh, you know, I think the balance uh, kind of takes takes itself or, or takes care of itself when you're doing Naturally, that. Naturally, organically, yeah. and just is who you are. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Great. And I like that. Uh, last thing, with a win on Saturday, and BYU expects and hopes to, to get the win on Saturday, the Cougars become bowl eligible for a 12th straight year. A lot of folks out there go, oh, well, so many bowls, it's easy to get to. It's not easy to get to a bowl game. It's hard to get the 6th, the 7th, the 8th, the nine, whatever it is, season to season. Really good teams have down years and miss bowl games. How important is it that this six get in the win column and you guys say, yep, we're going to the postseason again for BYU? It's, it, it's, it's absolutely crucial. I mean, we gotta, we got to get to a bowl game. Um, it's a game that uh, we should be able to get in there and, and get. Um, and I've been, I've been a part of a program that went 12 straight years and then for the next two didn't. And so um, you can't take it for granted. Everybody's preparing to win, um, you know, like we talked about before. They've got good players. They've got players that get drafted in the NFL. And so you can't take these for granted. I mean, winning, winning Division One games are hard. They're hard because execution, the game plan, you know, there's so many different things. The ball's got to bounce your way. And so we are, are not looking past this one. We're going to be ready to go, and uh, they'll, they'll get our best shot, and we'll get theirs. It'll be good to get it when it comes. Hope it's this Saturday. Coach Tuiaki, thanks for being here again. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, that's Coach Elisa Tuiaki, and we are taking a break. This is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner at JCW's in Provo. Ty Detmer is next. We're back after this. Coordinator's Corner, sponsored as always by Legend Solar. Don't settle for any solar provider. Go with the Legend. Schedule your free consultation at legendsolar.com and start saving today. A proud sponsor of BYU Football. We are on ESPN 960. We're on BYU Football's Facebook page. We're on Facebook Live on the Facebook page. And with you, with the hashtag CCBYU on Twitter, 
and on Facebook via the comments section on Facebook Live. Every Monday, 12 to 1, two of the three coordinators joining us today it is defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki was with us from noon to 12.30, and now offensive coordinator Ty Detmer with us now from 12.30 to 1. Ty, welcome back. Another win for BYU. Congrats on the 20 to 3 win at Cincinnati on Saturday. That was a fun one in front of a lot of BYU fans. Uh, of your six away games you've played, and again, six of the nine have been away from home. Three you've had to go across two time zones. Not a lot of coaches are going to try and design a schedule that has you going across through uh, two time zones three times. Of course, as an independent, that happens. But great response from your guys going back east and playing a nice game. Yeah, you know, the crowd was awesome. I talked to people after the game, and they were from Indiana and Tennessee. And, I mean, the whole Midwest kind of congregated on Cincinnati for that game. And so it was awesome. We come out, and half of that stadium was seemed like it was BYU crowd. So... Uh, we always appreciate that, but uh, the guys played hard. We knew uh, they were going to be a, a talented, athletic group, and it was going to be a battle, and, and uh, we finally kind of clicked things in gear and warmed down and uh, got the win, so that was great. Since he scores on its first possession of the game, then they don't score again the rest of the game. Uh, you scored the final 20, and I really thought that, uh, well, three drives kind of told. And there weren't a ton of drives in this game, as you know, not a lot of possessions, but the touchdown drives on either side of halftime, right. and then your 16-play, nine-and-a-half-minute drive that ends in a field goal, those three drives were kind of the ball game for you guys. Yeah, we talked to the, the team about that this morning, how we finished the half with a touchdown drive, a long drive, eight-up clock, uh, they ended up kneeling on it, and then we got the ball to start the second half and went right down the field with a long drive there and then got another touchdown to make it 17-3. to And then uh, we only had two drives after that. Uh, we, we ate up a bunch of clock in the fourth quarter, and with a lead like that, we kind of wanted uh, to go downhill at them, run the ball, and, and our guys rose to the challenge and did a great job of milking the clock. I, I really wish we could have got it in there at the end, kind of an exclamation point. And, and, uh, on the fourth down there? Well, well there, there was some discussion yeah, there. We ended up uh, kicking it, you know, right. to make it a three-score game was really the, the the point of the drive at that point was let's let's keep working it down in there. You know, we probably could have thrown it for a touchdown, but we wanted to keep eating a little clock, get it to a three-score game, and win the game. That's exactly what happened. Uh, it's funny. I think Nick Kurtz was telling us after the game about the decision-making process there, the conversations on the <laughs> sidelines, and who was is, who is, uh, giving input and taking input. How did that all go? Uh, Kalani's great. You know, he's, he's loose over there. I mean, he's like, all right. You know, he calls the group over on the first fourth down call we had was, uh, all right, what do you, you want to do? What do you guys want to do? He's asking the players, and they're all, let's go for it. Let's get it. Let's keep marching. And, and uh, so we did, and we got it, and we got it to the one, and then we – took a couple steps back but uh you know it, it seemed like uh, there's a lot of voices in there and ultimately Kalani's like all right you want to go for it we're going for it so uh you know that allowed us to eat really another two minutes uh, off the clock and, and give them no time left to do much and in the end the football uh or rather the field goal call it's a good football play it's a three score game at that point and it was all ele elementary from there yeah you don't want them to have a chance for a big play and then an onside kick and to, to really you know get any momentum so the field goal was the call at that point and uh you know like i said i wish we'd have we'd have executed a little better down there on the goal line and, and gotten that one in but uh you know, at that point, it was three points was all we needed. You you take a 10-3 lead going into half, as you just talked about. Now, you talked about them kneeling on it. Were you a little surprised? They've got timeouts, and they've got about a minute, and it's not like they're backed up inside their own five-yard line. Were you a little surprised they, they kneeled there? 
a little bit. Uh, if if nothing else, maybe a run play and see what you get. And uh, you know, if it if it doesn't go anywhere, then you can kind of let the clock run down or things like that. But every coach is different. You know, it's only ten three. It's a one score game. Uh, they may have felt like, you know, let's get to halftime, make some adjustments, and then uh, get going the second half. By the same token, when that happens, do you guys gain energy from that decision going into halftime, do you think? Um, Did you notice your guys getting fired up? Like, all right, they're, you know, not really conceding per se, but they didn't want to do anything to, to you know, to, to risk anything, and you're going to get the ball back. Yeah, I think for the uh, defensive guys, that may be a little shot in the arm, like, hey, they don't want to risk it. They're, they're a little nervous playing against us, so uh, maybe that way. But offensively, that doesn't really factor into our momentum too much. Either way, what you did at the start of the second half was kind of the game. That was kind of the game breaker there. It Great was. Um, yeah, you know, watching them on film and things, it felt like uh, we're, we've been a better second-half team uh, than they had. And so we felt like getting that touchdown right before half and then putting one on the board right there kind of got them on their heels and, and gave us a chance to just uh, seal the game in the fourth. The touchdown you scored to go up 10-3 before halftime uh, is a Taysom Hill run. And uh, it's just one, you know, there are certain prototypical Taysom Hill plays, and that was one of them right there. It was. Uh, he did a great job of uh, kind of seeing it. It didn't work out. The timing wasn't quite right on the side that he looked to. And uh, and so the, the seas kind of parted. They ran an inside twist and got a little wide, and, and he broke a tackle. I mean, the guy actually is grabbing onto his shoulder pads, trying to drag him down, and he just, I mean, you know, Nobody else probably gets through that and, right. and the speed to get to the end zone from there. So uh, that was a typical Taysom Hill play. Whether it's a, a stiff arm or a shake-off, that's a strong guy making those plays. It is, and they got to wrap him up. And uh, just getting an arm out there is not going to tackle him. And, and like I said, that was typical Taysom right there. BYU ends up with 207 rushing yards on the day. Taysom with 75, Jamal with 92. Jamal goes over 1,000 for his season. He's the fourth ever BYU player with multiple 1,000-yard rushing seasons now. 200 yards, generally speaking, is a good number to get you a win. Uh, going back to Lavelle's first year of 1972, BYU's now 126 wins, 10 losses when you just run for 200 yards or more. And we can say, I think, through three-quarters of the season uh, now, Ty, that, that BYU's identity is strongly tied to a strong ground game. It is. Um, you know, that was the plan coming in, uh, seeing what we had to work with and our, our big O line up front. And then with Jamal back and Taysom, uh, you know, we, we set a goal for our offense at the beginning of the year that every game we our goal is to reach 150 rushing yards. But kind of secretly in the coach's office, we're saying, well, if you count Taysom's, we really should be over probably 200 because he's going to scramble on some pass plays. And so that 200-yard mark really, you know, we probably should have upped our goal just knowing. Uh, but we also wanted to, you know, kind of limit his running. But, you know, I was really surprised at the end of the game to hear he had 75 rushing yards because we didn't call too many called runs for him. But he did a nice job on some of the reads and then uh, a few scrambles as well. So, um, you know, that 200-yard that mark is really probably our goal every week. And, and uh, play into our strength, and, and, and uh, if we can do that, that means we've got a lead in the fourth quarter and we're able to keep running the ball at people. Did you have, do you have uh, pass game goals? Um, we didn't really set pass game goals because we, we wanted to set a mindset for our O-line and our backs and our tight ends that we're going to run the ball, and this is going to be our identity this year, and it has been. And so um, with that, you kind of take what the defense gives you in the pass game. I, I hate setting pass game goals because then you get greedy in the, in the back of your mind. If 300 yards is your pass game goal, you're trying to take shots and, and do those things. So 
we'll take the passing yards as they come and uh, give take what the defense gives us. But uh, in the rush, running game, we want to be able to, to line up, and we should be able to get a hat on a hat if we're schematically sound and, and give our backs a chance to gain some yards. Jake asks on Facebook right now, and I think he kind of answered it, but going into the season, he says, did you imagine the running, that running the ball would be the major emphasis or has performance forced you to adjust? No, I, I think um, we've been successful, so we've stuck with it. And uh, it's been it's been better than I think uh, we as a staff maybe thought it would be going in um, with a few of those games where Jamal's, you know, high 150s, 200-yard games. Um, we've been better than – than probably anticipated. I, you know, I would have figured we'd we'd have to throw it a little bit more um, to have been successful going into the season. So um, I've been, you know, pleasantly surprised by our run game, and uh, and because of that, the passing stats um, that people like to go by has has suffered because we have been running the ball so successfully, and and me as a play caller have stuck with it and and tried to continue to, to keep defenses on their heels running the ball, and, and we were able to do that even on a few third downs this game. BYU is a top 50 rushing offense and a top 50 rushing defense, so run, stop the run remains one of those football truisms that kind of carries through. Uh, between uh, Taysom's rushing and passing yardage, he's now over 9,000 career yards in total offense. That puts him in the top five at BYU all-time uh, with yourself, Max Hall, John Beck, Jim McMahon, that's really good company. Man, you know, he's a great player. And uh, I know people, you know, <laughs> this year has been a crazy year um, with people wanting to see Tanner and, and all the Tanner Taysom stuff. But Taysom's a phenomenal player, and he's a competitor, and he's got that it factor that you're looking for uh, from a leader of your team. And I think sometimes that part of it gets overlooked, being the leader and the guy in the huddle. Uh, one of the, the greatest things, my wife had filmed or taped the the game and uh, we watched the TV copy kind of you get some insight from the announcers at times so we watched the the TV copy and you see him come into the huddle smiling and just that confidence that he brings into that huddle with those guys and and that's the whole point of huddling is to, to them to look that leader in the eye and know that things are going to be okay and he brings that every week and uh he's given us a chance to win every game uh, obviously the stats are what they are He's in uh, great company and one of the, the best players to play here at BYU uh, statistically. So um, he's done everything we've asked him to do this year. And, yeah, there's always a few plays you'd like to have back. I was never perfect, trust me. I, I, lead, the, I lead the school in interceptions uh, my junior year, you know. So uh, we all have uh, things we need to work on and, and things you'd like to have back. But as far as a leader and a natural talent and, and a player, uh, Taysom's been awesome for us this year. He threw a pick at Cincy, but that uh, came after a stretch of four games with only one interception. And for his career, that was his best four-game stretch ever in terms of cleanliness relative to INTs. They happen, but they don't seem to happen a lot with him. I see things, too, and, and we're hit. We've got to hit the break here. You talk about you know watching him come into the huddle. I remember on the touchdown run, the number of guys of his teammates that sprint to him to get him up off the ground in the end zone and, and congratulate him on that play – Tough play, big play, and his teammates are right with him on that. Yeah, you know, our, our team has no doubt. He's, he's the guy that's supposed to be playing that position right now. And, uh, you know, there may be others out there that do, but our, none of our players, I've never heard one thing from anybody that, oh, we should be trying something else. And uh, that's a tribute, you know, because it, it is tempting to want to see the next guy in line and, and have all those things happen. But – um, the team loves him. They were super excited when, you know, the announcement that he was coming back and going to be a part of the team. 
um, whether at that time he was going to play or not. Uh, guys were just excited that he was going to be around, and he's, uh, he's a great young man, and, and uh, it's been a lot of fun being his coach. All right, break time. I've talked a lot. We're going to get some social media questions coming up after this for Ty Detmer. He's BYU's offensive coordinator, and we are live at JCW's in Provo. For the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner on ESPN 960 and BYU Football Facebook Live, we are back in a minute. Back at JCW's in Provo for the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner, and it is time for today's I Am Flash flashback, brought to you by I Am Flash, making memory that makes the world mobile. This week, we flash back to a game 35 years ago today, November 7th, 1981, when Jim McMahon led BYU into Fort Collins to face Colorado State in one of the best quarterbacking performances in Cougar football history, Jimmy Mack completed 44 of 65 passes for 538 yards and a record-setting, record-tying seven touchdowns with a passer rating of 169.68 as BYU won 63-14, part of a five-game winning streak in an 11-2 season that ended with a win over Washington State in the Holiday Bowl. That's today's I Am Flash flashback. Back at JCW's Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner, Ty Detmer with us until the top of the hour. Uh, Ty, you had some games like that, the big numbers back when BYU was throwing it better than most teams in the country. Uh, those were crazy days with big numbers, and like you said, sometimes some, some big pick days as well, but it was part of uh, the cost of doing business when you threw it around as much as you did. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think people look back and they they remember some of the times you threw it 45, 50 times in a game. But, uh, you know, most of the time we were throwing it 30, 35, uh, even 25 at some point. Um, so, you know, the, the game's changed, though. Back then it was everybody was running the ball and it was power and option and, and all these things. And so teams we were facing, it was new for them. They had trouble kind of figuring it out. And, uh, and so now everybody's throwing it. Kids are playing seven on seven and fourth grade and and uh it's getting thrown around all over the place so it's it's always going to be a different game all the time and and now it's different than it was then brad on byu football's facebook page facebook live coach detmer i'd like to hear the story about kalani approaching you for the job the offensive coordinator job and your eventual accepting of this role um you know it was uh kind of a point where um he and i talked and and uh we kind of had the same ideas on where the offense should be and and uh kind of how he wanted to see things done and and so that i think that mutual respect um for what he wanted to have done and and kind of what i saw um was perfect match and uh you know he's he's the type of guy that he wants the program run a certain way and and that home away from home for the players and and I'm all for that, you know. So BYU is a, a different place, and it's a special place for us. And so um, I was, you know, all in, and, and uh, he was he was on board and, and took a risk, uh, you know, high school coach coming and being a coordinator at a D1 program. And and so, you know, thankful that, that he kind of saw past that and, and gave me an opportunity. Uh, Jay Richmond, two questions for you. Number one, will Tanner play this Saturday? And number two, what's the biggest elk you've shot? <laughs> Uh, I've shot a five-point elk, five by five. So that's my biggest elk. I haven't really elk hunted a lot. But, uh, um, you know, the, the plan is really to try to get Tanner in every week. And uh, this week's no different. You know, this this team we're playing is uh, they're a good football team. Um, Ed Lamb did a great job building that team, and, and he knows all the guys. And, and if they couldn't play, they wouldn't be there. You know, we all know what Ed, uh, Ed brings to the table. And, and the quality of people he wants to be around. So we know they got some players. Um, but that being said, I'd, I'd love to get Tanner in for some meaningful time at some point in the game. Um, I think we're getting to that point in the season where 
we, we need to get some of our, our backups in and, and get them some playing time. But it, the game will dictate some of that too. But, um, you know, I've told Taysom just, you know, be alert. There may be a, a point in the game where we put Taysom in or Tanner in for a series and, and give him a shot. So we'll just see how the game's going. Uh, but the plan has been all along to try to get Tanner in there at some point, and it just hasn't worked out that way. Okay, as we head to break, uh, this from uh, Joe Foss and Coach Detmer. Can you give me your word that you're planning on staying at BYU for a long time? <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan, yeah. Um, you know, the plan coming here was uh, this is a special place. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been anywhere else this year uh, other than here. So I love what we're doing. I love the people I'm working with and the players and uh, just everything about BYU. So the plan is to be here and to, to be a part of it and to see it continue to grow. All right, closing segment with Ty Detmer is coming up. We're brought to you by Legend Solar, a proud sponsor of BYU football. Schedule your free consultation today and find out how much you could save at legendsolar.com, a SunPower Elite dealer. Coming your way from JCW's in Provo on BYU Football Facebook Live and ESPN 960, this is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. Some closing mo uh, moments with Coach Detmer next here. Right after this, stay with us. JCW's in Provo for the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner closing segment. We've got Ty Detmer with us. We had Elisha Tuiaki in the first half hour. We are here at JCW's in Provo every Monday from noon until 1 o'clock. Uh, a few times uh, during this season and again on Saturday, Ty, I find myself in my play-by-play -play describing Taysom Hill looking to his wristband, checking uh, his wrist before the snap. Uh, what's on the wristband for people to know there? <laughs> Pretty much the whole game plan. Um, you know, we... We get a little wordy in our play calls, so uh, we went to the wristband and uh, kind of signal in what we want from that wristband. And so I think you see him on the quarterback sweep. He's taking off and rounding the corner and papers flying out of it, you know. And so then he looks over and has to run over and get the next play. and Or the other wristband. Yeah, and then, then ended up getting Tanner's wristband for a couple plays. And, uh, you know, there's we have we – have, uh, about a total this week. It varies every week, but this week we had about 107 plays on the wristband. Um, you know, obviously a lot of repeats, just different formation, different personnel. So not near that many concepts and uh, play calls, but uh, a lot of different variations in, in those concepts. A uh, question from uh, Facebook Live coming. Have you considered using Corbin Kofusi as a tight end in short yardage situations this year? We talked about it at the beginning of the season, and uh, that may be something going going forward. We kind of wanted him to get his feet underneath him this year, and and uh, but going forward, that may be a, a possibility for us because I'm thinking line him up tight, get a safety on him, and shift him out, and now it's one on one, and throw a fade ball out there, or mm -hmm. something like that. So he's got a lot of potential to do a lot of things. So um, we thought, you know, this year we'll kind of play it close to the vest and see where we're at. Did Jamal ding up the same ankle uh, Saturday at Cincinnati that he, he had hurt? He did a little bit. Um, I'm hoping he's feeling pretty good by the end of the week, so we'll kind of play it by ear on where he's at. It may be another game-time decision like it was at Boise, but we've got a couple extra days this week uh, than we had at the Boise game. Because it is a, an FCS team, do you have any preset notions of getting certain guys only a certain number of series or plays before you take them out, or you really have to let the game dictate it? No, not at all. We're, you know, we're not taking this team lightly. We're not, we're not going in saying, okay, a bunch of you are going to play that kind of thing. We, you know, this is a big, big game for us. We want to try to get bowl eligible um, and, and get another win. Uh, we're at home. And so the, the game will dictate what happens. But these guys can play. I mean, they played with Utah. It was a tight game uh, most of the game. And so 
we're not going in thinking uh, this is, you know, Wagner of last year where everybody's going to play and we're going to all get playing time and all those things. So um, it's going to be a tough game. Less than a minute left. Uh, how much does that sixth win and 12th straight bowl year for BYU mean to you? Well, that, that would mean a lot. Um, you know, obviously we've got three games to try to get there. Um, but, you know, to, to know that bowl eligible and kind of a reward for the players at the end of the year to be able to go spend a little time in, in San Diego and uh, – and reward themselves for a, a good year um, means a lot for every program. And I think a great starting point uh, for the first year of the Satake era as well is to, again, keep that postseason run going, and it will happen with BYU's next win, win number six on the season. Southern Utah this Saturday uh, will have an 11 a.m. radio pregame, 1 o'clock kick. Uh, the Cougars uh, play three straight games at home to end the season for the first time since 1927, so that doesn't happen all the time. All right, folks, thanks for being here at JCW's in Provo. Thanks for tuning in on ESPN 960 and BYU Football Facebook Live for the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We'll talk to you next week. Greg Rubel for Coach Detmer and Coach Tuiaki. So long from JCW's.